0: Do you love true crime, but are looking for something different? Do you like learning about cases so off the wall they can't possibly be true? Do you love history, but want to hear about what they didn't teach you in school? Do you like laughing awkwardly about cases that are bizarre and a little strange? Then we have the podcast for you. Join me, Lindsay. And me, Madison, for Yield Crime. Where we discuss the funny... Strange and Obscure Crimes of Yesteryear. Listen every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.
1: What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language. So please be mindful of who around you can hear it. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. (laughs) Enjoy! Um... where is my note thingy? Notes, notes, notes... <clears throat> okay, here we go. Hello, rewatchers. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Dustin, and with me for the final episode of Magician Season One is Auraline. Hey,
0: hello. Yay! Yikes. I'm so
1: happy you're here with me.
0: <laughs> it's hard to believe we're here, but at the same time, it's been literal months.
1: <laughs> it really, really has. Yeah, and it's been a it's been a rough year. We've been pushing through this, it's, and we both had kudos a, to us.
0: Ups and downs. It's been a hard year. Yeah.
1: Pat's on the back, you know, maybe this will be a good symbolic thing for us. We'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Now, if you've been listening all season and want to hear more from Orlean, make sure you check out her podcast, Spooky and Strange. um, Tell everybody what that is, Orlean.
0: So I basically retell and review spooky and weird books and stories. So if you like reading those things, you can read along with me. Or if you just want to hear a story with some fun sound effects and some spooky atmosphere, you can just come listen.
1: Yeah. And it's really fun. She's she's got a really good soft, you know, you can hear the way she talks now. She has a good soft, ton of alluring voice.
0: <laughs> Thanks. You're like, ooh,
1: and you put a little, you know, little ambiance behind it. A little you're like, spooky. ooh, this is kind of creepy. It's good. Spooky. It's kind of like that Halloween feeling from like childhood. That's what it feels like
0: yeah me, so if you want to feel spooky it. all year round come listen
1: come sit and listen to her in the library
0: <laughs> yeah in the endless library
1: the haunted one yeah yeah so um she's also a part of the uh autopsy of a horror movie podcast she co-hosts at least part-time with Brucker, and he's a f- mutual friend hi brooker how you doing so uh, if you want to hear more from me, um, I've got new episodes of Dustin Can Read and Watch coming soon. So it's been, but I still have like three three years worth of episodes if you haven't listened to that show. Yeah, you there's a, there's a
0: lot. You have a, a healthy backlog of things to listen I to. I do,
1: actually. I didn't realize. You really yeah. do. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have like YA book reviews and some are like TV show reviews and then some original stories that I got people like Orlene and Brooker and... And other mm-hmm. people to help me perform, um, they were really fun to do. And you know, as always, also don't forget to join the Patreon. It's three dollars a month. We got a ton, ton of extra stuff now, <laughs> backlogged. So for all the magicians, some of my so-called life, the TV movies, yeah, and like you can listen to stuff like the games we do, like Fuck Mary Kill, like we just performed, and all that good stuff. So I think you would have fun with it. So anyway, that said. Here we are. It's the season finale. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so glad we got to the end, and it's well, not the end, but you know,
0: it's not the end. But I'm literally that. um, I'm I'm Jesse from Saved by the Bell right now. I'm so excited and I'm so scared.
1: (laughs) Not only has the show been a freaking roller coaster, but like we said, it's been one this year. And you know, maybe I'd like to think of us closing out the season is kind of symbolic and Mm -hmm. like all that drama is behind us kind of thing (laughs) you know and we can only look forward to new good things right so maybe we can look at it that way like season one drama behind us
0: (laughs) putting it out into the universe
1: exactly exactly and one of the new things by the way that will be coming up is the next series that will be recapped and it's a sitcom what? I uh, know. <laughs> yes, starting next Monday, my friend Shelly from the UK will be joining me for all six Series 1 episodes of Coupling, which is a British sitcom from the year 2000. Have you ever seen Coupling, Or I've
0: never seen it. I've heard of it. I think you would enjoy
1: it. I think you would enjoy I've never,
0: it. I love a good sitcom. Well, I mean,
1: it's it's kind of, people would call it the English version of Friends, but no, it's not. I mean, it's got a similar mm. like setup as far as like for, you know, people, uh, character types, and there's three girls, three guys, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it's more raw and raunchy, and I mean, it has like a lot of sex jokes. You know? Oh, okay. Um, it's hilarious, and it's I think more Americans should be enjoying it. I know it's stateside; it's like um, it's available for free, and I have it listed here. It's free on Crackle, Freevee, Pluto, the CW roku and tubi
0: oh wow okay
1: yeah now some of those are only just the first couple of series or seasons whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it but um imdb has like the breakdown if you want to go to imdb.com or the app just look there it'll tell you where it's where it's located um and i know like roku and tubi have like seasons It's only four seasons so
0: and in the uk that means they're even shorter right yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> their seasons are all like this is only six episodes in this season i think maybe oh one gosh. is eight episodes and yeah so it's not much
0: yeah the uk yeah. series are uh notoriously short
1: <laughs> but they get to the point and they're good you know they're
0: good yeah
1: so that's that's the upside <laughs> there's yeah, quality to, behind it so
0: i'll have to listen to you and shelly on these next episodes
1: i think you'll like it i think you'll like a lot So back to, okay, to the Magician season one finale. It's called, Have You Brought Me Little Cakes? And yeah, it's a line from one of the characters in this episode. So I don't want to say much more about that Mm -hmm. other than, in a way, it kind of sounds condescending out of context. I don't know why.
0: Oh, you know, we've been talking a lot the past few episodes about offerings. And so I assume it has to do with that.
1: Yes. Yeah. I always, thought, you know, it kind of sounds like you know, let them eat cake. I guess that kind of thing. I don't know, mm, pops in no. my head. But anyway, here we go with the recap. Previously on The Magicians, we learned about Fillory and further the five book series, and Quentin got a sixth book. We learned that the author Christopher Plover molested young boy Martin Chatwin, whom one of the Fillory and further books, you know, the characters are based. The Beast, a powerful magician with moths flying around his face to cloak it like a mask, invaded Breakbills a few times. Jane Chatwin, Martin's older sister, who now goes by Eliza, has been resetting the timeline each time they fail to defeat the Beast. She was killed, and now this, their 40th timeline, is the last chance to defeat him. We found out the difference in the timeline is that Julia didn't get into Breakbills this time. Julia's new culty group petitioned a goddess, Our Lady Underground, whom she says granted all their wishes. The Breakbills team decides to go to Fillory. Penny wants to save a girl in a dungeon, whose voice he keeps hearing calling out for help. The gang learns about battle magic, mostly due to the help of literally bottling their emotions, which messes with you when you put them back in. And it causes Quentin to let his guard down and sleep with Margot and Elliot, thereby cheating on Alice, who quickly dumps him and hooked up with Penny. And Quentin gets separated from the others in the Netherlands and goes to Julia for help to find a way to Fillory, which they did by going back in time and following young Jane Chatwin there. Boom. So, I got a little sidestep for you. So last week I mentioned that I was... Re-reading or listening to the audiobook for the magicians
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh book one by lev grossman and i have a description of fillery through quentin's eyes when he Ooh, th- when he thinks okay. about the books and the fillery <laughs> the world martin discovers in the walls of his aunt's house is a world of magical twilight a landscape as black and white and stark as a printed page with prickly stubble fields and rolling hills crisscrossed by old stone walls. In Fillory, there's an eclipse every day at noon, and seasons could last for a hundred years. Bare trees scratch at the sky. Pale green seas lap at a narrow white beaches made of broken shells. In Fillory, things mattered in a way they didn't in this world. In Fillory, you felt the appropriate emotions when things happened. Happiness was a real, actual, achievable possibility. It came when you called. Or no, it never left you in the first place. So there you go.
0: That's lovely.
1: Yeah, I know it is. And I thought that might bring a little context for how Quentin might feel when he finally Mm -hmm. shows up in Fiddlery now.
0: Even though he's been through a season of (laughs) dream-destroying.
1: I know, but he's finally, like, there. It's a reality, like, right. even more so. And, you know, not somebody just saying Fillory's real. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I actually get to see it for myself, you know? So now we are in Fillory. And by candlelight, Quentin decides to start writing Fillory and further book seven. He says it all started as a blob of crazy magic energy that gave birth to the gods like Ember and Umber. And then they created Fillory. We all see this is illustrated as like a supernova with like Fillory being like a, a big rock, a flat t- surface of mm-hmm. a rock floating in space. It's not a planet, which is weird. I'm wondering how like gravity works. I guess magic.
0: I know. I love it whenever magic. they cut to that because it's like, what? Okay.
1: How? I don't. Okay.
0: Magic. Yeah,
1: we see glimpses. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing all this magical, like, you know, countryside and whatnot. And we even see a silhouette of a unicorn. And I'm like, Richard's ass was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they are real. Just not in, on Earth, I guess. It's now night and Quentin and Julia are walking through the woods with torches while Quentin meekly asks for Ember's help. He's like, Ember, Ember. And yeah. Julia's like, come on, put some conviction in your words. She, She's like, hey, you know, how did Martin Chatwin find Ember? And Quentin says in the books, he said that he cut himself and his blood sang to the gods. And he's like, whatever the hell that means. Right. And so Julia finds a stone with a bloody handprint on it. And he's like, oh, OK. All right. So like he cuts his hand with a stick. He and cuts this his funny part. palm
0: like, like a fucking idiot. Stop
1: like doing stabs that. His palm. Stop
0: doing that. Don't do that. You won't that. be able to use your hand.
1: It sucks. Don't do it. Just yeah. Just you just need some blood. You don't have to have yeah. it f- directly from your cut your, palm. your finger. <laughs> yeah, something you know. Rub it on your hand, whatever. Yeah, and, and Julie's like, "Are you okay?" And Quentin's like, "No, I just stabbed my own hand." <laughs> yeah, you I don't know why that made me laugh.
0: You're gonna need both hands.
1: <laughs> like okay, whatever. He's dumb. So yeah, he puts his bleeding hand in the impression of the handprint, and it starts to glow bright. And they end up when it appears to be an underground lair of some sort. It kind of looks like it's dark, it's mm-hmm. stone, uh, vines, and garbage everywhere. And Julia says it smells like an outhouse. And yeah, and we see somebody's hooves stirring.
0: Somebody's hooves.
1: Somebody. Somebody's <laughs> hooves are stirring. <laughs> There's some hooves and they're stirring. They belong to somebody. Uh, we are in Fillory after all. And we hear the voice, it is customary to bow, earth children. In which they comply and like but Julia like curtsies, whatever. And um they see the goat slash ram god, Ember. I don't know, would he be a ram or a goat? I guess it's a ram because the way the horns are.
0: Oh, I don't know. Not
1: well, a scientist. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, I don't know <laughs> biology whatever yeah oh, no, so in biology sorry i mean zoologists i guess i don't well,
0: know you can get one for your next Farmers? podcast yeah.
1: send us in those comments guys and of course he walks up and he says have you brought me little cakes
0: oh my god that was good
1: <laughs> magician's opening title bing
0: bong bing bong, ding
1: dong bing ding dong bing dong ding dong lovely so narrator quentin says you're probably confused so i'm going to do that thing where everyone hates where the book rewinds to fill in the blanks i'm like yeah it's a tired trope but it's effective if done correctly so he we rewind back to when quentin and julia were in the park bench in london before they go back in time to 1942 and he states that this is chapter one the journey of the witch and the fool they follow Jane into the, quote, TARDIS-looking portal. And then we notice that someone is watching them follow him into the portal. He's like, so, you know, see that? Somebody's watching us. See? I'm like, what? <laughs> what are we doing here? And we go to Fillory, and Quentin says it's the best moment of his life, even after finding out later that the air is 0.02% opium, which he <laughs> says is unfair to make you love a place. <laughs> I mean... You, it's a, I it's a perk, I guess.
0: Like, should we, You know, is are there candidates running on that for us? I'm interested. I mean,
1: that, I would love it. It would be <laughs> great. Why not? Make everybody just chill the hell out for the most part. Right. <laughs> Make everybody welcome to everybody. That'd be awesome. So he points out that Jane Chatwin falls into a trap in a scene that he notes from the original books in the books. She's rescued by passing magicians, which turn out to be he and Julia. And, that's it's kind of cool. Like they're how cool would it be books. to know that
0: they're in the book. I was in the book the whole time. They're in the books. <laughs> I would die.
1: That'd be so cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I was in the books. Mm-hmm. So they originally they wait for the magicians to show up but of course. They're, you know, in the books, they're labeled the witch and the fool. And Quentin's like, who, who do you think which one is which? <laughs> Basically. And Julie's just looking like, you don't Come on.
0: Who could guess?
1: And, like, she calls, like, I guess they call themselves, I'm the witch, I'm the fool.
0: <laughs> because
1: that's what she calls them.
0: <laughs> yeah, we know, Quentin. <laughs> we know you're the fool.
1: I mean, it just sounds like that's what she did. I don't know. So she's trying to cut the rope off her foot and it won't work. And it just gets tighter. She struggles. And so Quentin says, like, since some animals can talk, they had to have enchanted traps designed to let intelligent creatures free. And there's a riddle on hers. And it's, what is no sooner broken than spoken? And she can't figure it out. And I'm over here going, it's silence. That's that's what it is. It's silence. Silence. Mm. Silence. Like, I'm just answering it. And so Quentin mouths silence to her. And she goes, silence. And then and she's free. And I'm like, wouldn't it know that wouldn't she just got the answer from somebody?
0: Right. This isn't very good magic. I mean.
1: No, it's, I guess it's just really, you just had to say password, I guess, is (laughs) silence. So she thinks, thank you, witch, thank you, fool. (laughs) And she's off. And Julia tells him to geek out, like, come on, we are in the books now. Come on, geek out. And they hear a twig snap and they figure out they've been followed. And it's young Martin Chatwin. Hmm. And Quentin's like, he wasn't part of this book. Oh, no. So he names chapter two, by all means, hinge your entire quest on a traumatized boy.
0: I mean, maybe yeah, he some... was part of this book, but because it was written by the child molester, he didn't write this part of the story.
1: That's true. Or, you know, Martin never told them that he went. It's like the Jane books were real
0: life. Like, they're a, a fictionalization of all this stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, still, I mean, they still kept a lot of the stuff, same events that happened, you know, just some of it was different. But yeah, so they tell him they know Fillory st- stopped taking him, which is most likely why he followed Jane and them into the yeah, phone booth. And they basically tell him that they know about his abuse at home and how Christopher Plover is a powerful magician now. And they, you know, they ask him if he knows where the Leo blade is. And he says, I don't know, but I might I might know somebody who does. I'm like, what the hell? Why are you just telling this child everything?
0: Yeah. Excuse me, like, this seems very irresponsible of some adult magicians to just come be like, hey, kid, we know about that creep you live with. Like, what?
1: I mean, that's one thing. But then to say, hey, where's the Leo blade? And, you know, where can I get this? There's a bad guy coming. You know, and
0: it's all very
1: You're weird. Like, dude. And in the past, you don't you don't do that. You yeah, that's don't, true. You don't know.
0: Like, They're my so God, stupid.
1: So they that night, they end up, you know, arriving at this blacksmith's office or office, whatever, house. Office. <laughs> His office. This is my office. Hello. Take a number. And um, he says he's never heard of the Leo Blade. So they urge him to make one. It says, you know, they, they need to kill a dark magician that has six fingers. And I'm like, just tell everyone, like... <laughs> Every bit of description of this guy, so we just, you know, wait. anybody in the future will, find, you know,
0: yeah. Are they not cognizant of the fact that they're in the past? Like the the beast may not be there yet. They're being
1: very flippant with the with the timeline. That's what I
0: mean. You know, <laughs> like
1: maybe we they, should wait and figure out who we can tell things to. You know,
0: right? You know. Like because where does the beast come from? Who becomes the beast? Like they're just dumb.
1: Who teaches the beast thing. Right. You know, don't kind of just stuff. go don't around know. saying shit. <laughs> I mean, my God. Ugh. So he tells them there's a thing that he, that can only be killed with the blade of moonstones. Like gods can only be killed with the blade of moonstones. And there's only two in Fillory. And he says they're expensive and it takes time to make an instrument of murder. And then he points out you're from earth. So you like murder. And I'm like on the nose, but no. Don't kind of a that.
0: broad, stereotype. <laughs> we don't, type. we don't know much about Fillory yet, but you have a beast who has been coming over here to murder people.
1: Yeah, so maybe don't judge. <laughs> he created that thing. He says, okay, I'll make this blade, and if you give me what I want, and like Julia's, like, okay. She agrees right away. I'm like, Do you, I, I, I mean,
0: These idiots I hope she know, knows what the hell nothing. he wants. Like, They've learned nothing. <laughs>
1: They just agree to it, like, without even asking, what do you want? Like, okay, we'll do it. Whatever. We don't care. Like, we need this blade. Um, okay. So it's now morning, and Martin asks them what they had promised the knife maker, and they explain to him that the legend is that the ruler of Fillory has to come from Earth, so he thinks they are kings and queens who can thereby give him a seat at the royal court. So it's like a power trade, basically.
0: Oh, okay. I got it.
1: He wants to be, have a seat at the mm-hmm. Royal court. And so Julie is like eating off a bone. It looks like one of those Turkey legs you get at a fair or a festival yeah. <laughs> and like, she throws it off and it hits like the sound It goes clunk, clunk. And they look over and they look through the bushes and Quentin like, Oh my gosh, it's Ember's temple. And he's just in awe. Right. He said, it's beautiful. It's, you know, just as it's described in the books. And then he says, the narrator version of him says, but in Fillory, with magic comes danger.
0: Everywhere, as Quentin. the wind, everywhere, everywhere,
1: especially with, I mean, with just in <laughs> magic, with, in general, yes. with magic comes danger. Like, yes. yeah. So the wind picks up, and Martin's like, the Watcher Woman is coming. And we hear clocks ticking nearby and chiming. And Martin runs off, and they try to chase him down, and they run into someone in a hood, and it says, Chapter 3 The Watcher Woman Or The Other Other Identity And it's not just The Watcher Woman It's Eliza A.K.A. Jane Chatwin Older Jane Chatwin
0: She's everyone in Fillory It's like her and the Beast That's it Yeah yeah. <laughs> just different versions yeah, Of it. both of them
1: <laughs> It's very Wizard of Oz Feeling right now I don't know what it is But I don't yeah, think they do that In Wizard planet, of Oz This a whole planet
0: Guys
1: <laughs> And it's not even a planet <laughs> It's not even round. It's just a, like a slab of stone floating. I
0: think you could still be a planet. I don't know.
1: I guess. Maybe there's like a round like atmosphere around them. You know what I mean? Like an aura mm-hmm. shield thing. I don't know. So anyway, so Jane Chatwin is surprised to see them there since she isn't supposed to be they aren't supposed to be born yet. And he introduces her to Julia and tells her, you know we know about the time loops and she's like, Oh wow. Okay. She then calls him the volunteer tomato. Um, what? And she explains, it's like a, a, a vine that keeps popping up. No matter how you, what you do, if you try to kill it, try to break it, it just keeps coming back.
0: I, I so love how everyone is like, you're not even supposed to be here, but you keep showing. <laughs> you up.
1: just won't go the hell away. <laughs>
0: yeah. Literally. So we
1: need you to do this because you're going to screw it up. Anyway. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Like, we need you to take care of this because you're intent on being in this. You're gonna be so. here
0: anyway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he has the unfortunate task to tell her that this is the fortieth time because it she had died, and she's like, "Oh, you know, trying to take it in stride." And she confirms, "You know, did I do out? Did I go out doing something brave?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, you did." I'm like did she she did didn't she what did she What? how did she die i don't remember now
0: yeah she got killed by the beast obsessed or possessed mike
1: there we go okay so she says then you know if you survive to it see that i get a proper temple in my honor granite statue good likeness mind the chin My am oh please do that please do that that'd be awesome
0: yeah you know, if they one. survive they should do that
1: totally so Julia asks her, you know, how how are you the Watcher Woman? Like, she's the villain in the books. And she says, as young Jane, the Watcher Woman inspired her to learn magic so she could fight her.
0: Hmm. And
1: she grew stronger, but it wasn't enough. I'm like, enough for who, I wonder?
0: Wait, how did Jane learn magic and from who?
1: I know. like, hmm. I think, yeah, but we learned that the Watcher Woman or that Jane had gotten some ability to mess with time from Ember.
0: Right. So she wasn't a magician. So that's why I'm wondering, like, who taught her?
1: Maybe she went to break bills. That's a possibility.
0: (gasps) I want that spinoff, too.
1: Yes. The prequel of how Jane got there. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anyway, so she then says, you know, at least I learned some fun things before snapping her fingers and freezing Julia. She looks at Julia and is apparently seeing her memories, saying that there's a patch in her memories that is quite crude and made in haste. She won't remove it because there's like, it's there for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. It's she's like, I'm not going to. It always is. Don't
0: remove it. Yeah.
1: So looking further, we go back to the prayer circle. Like we see little, like, like there's something going on with her memories and like they're doing that prayer circle for our lady underground. And Jane says the memory is covering something tragic replacing it with something beautiful but false like ooh. Jane,
0: no so
1: in this flashback see the flashback we see like julia sees coins fall at, down at them and she mm-hmm. looks up and sees our lady underground holding hands with katie and another woman in the circle everything's happy our lady underground says my children you have summoned me to shed your burdens and so they shall be going to each of them placing her hand on them before they start smiling or crying with delight and She goes to Julia and says she has a mission for her before kissing her. And Jane tells Quentin to protect Julia if he still cares about her. Mm. So she, yeah, it's it's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't Mm -hmm. like this. Now I'm remembering how things played out. Oh, I don't Mm -hmm. like this. So she snaps her fingers and wakes up Julia. And Quentin asks Julia to, I mean, excuse me, Quentin asks Jane to zoom them forward to their present. You're like the watcher woman. You can do that. So she Quint- she kisses Quentin on the cheek and tells them, Goodbye, Quentin. Godspeed. And boom, they're in present day fillery.
0: Okay. All this time travel in this episode, it was a little too timey, wimey easy for me, where it's like, um, students are just jumping around through time whenever they fucking feel like it.
1: And telling everybody anything, willy nilly. Right. Yeah. Right? Come on, be smart, guys. Just be smart. You're I mean, kids are smarter than this. Come on. <laughs> You can and be better, you've theoretically
0: be done this 39 times, even though you don't remember it.
1: <laughs> I know, right? I mean, come on. So yeah, suddenly they're in present day Fillory at Ember's temple. It's all gloomy, grayscale, and unkempt. It's with overgrown vines. And Quentin's like, chapter four, everything sucks now. And why? Now? Yikes. Yeah. Looks like the beast really fucked up Fillory, right? That's what it, mm. I'm getting from that. Quentin notes how it feels colder like quote being in a fog that never lifts
0: mm.
1: and I'm like just gloomy or bleak would suffice as the descriptor really but I mean that you know, paints a picture I guess mm-hmm. he gets hit in the head with a paper airplane that has Q written on it he reads it and it says enchanted this to find you if you ever arrive hope you're not dead Margo being a bitch follow map to find us L <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's a great use of small magic
1: i know good on you elliot so they follow the map through quote the fillery of the beast and now we go to this florian town it's a tavern inside this town and elliot's having shots with a bulldog <laughs> i love this fillory so ridiculous It is. and Quint- quentin and julia arrive and Quinter remembers, oh, yeah, we all slept with each other and hate each other right now, and that is largely my fault. Like, yeah, uh-huh, and you've all, you know, you're all you've got at this moment, so suck it up and get I over know. it. How about that? I'm losing you. <laughs> you know, you guys have made a bad bed to sleep in at this moment. Elliot says hi, but wants to know why Q is, quote, with the hedge bitch that tried to kill you. Rude. Honest question. but honest it's still rude it's honest quentin says they worked it out and julia says i'm here you don't have to like me and margo says you don't worry we won't or we don't like you i'm like damn like
0: but margo you would like julia so much you would get along i know shut
1: up they would they would actually i mean just fight the damn beast get over it and fight the beast Mm mm-hmm and I love the look that Julia gives the bulldog. <laughs> She's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you drinking with this bulldog like that? Look, it's great. I wanted him to talk so badly. <laughs> I did. So we cut over to some random Fillery Road, and they're all walking. Josh is straggling behind. And I'm like, did anybody introduce him to, like, Quentin and Julia already? Like, there was no introduction. So I don't know. Penny wants to know if Quentin knows where the beast is holding Victoria, the other traveler, the one that was Josh's Mm girlfriend-ish, I guess. Quentin says he thinks she's in the dungeon of the, quote, the castle that isn't there, which Penny thinks is just a stupid-ass name. Upon which, Elliot has to remind him he just did shots with a bulldog named Bristly Coat.
0: Also, fun (laughs) fact, I have a keychain. My house key is on it and it says the house that doesn't exist. So just a fun little similar Oh really. That's cool. Yeah. It's cute.
1: Oh, you need a bulldog that's named Bristly Coat now. (laughs) Find that whimsy. (laughs) (laughs) Quentin says the castle has a kind of phosmoranty cloak, but you know, Alice ignores him when he tries to like, hey, can you explain stuff like that? She's like, I'm not talking to you i'm not doing anything you don't exist
0: yeah i would do the same that's basically
1: how she's acting yeah
0: they also like, haven't had any space right it's been like 12 hours they've been apart you know
1: yeah it's not been very long i bet it's kind of i'm tired of the childish crap you're in the middle of something big right now like just drop I it know. go back to what and you need you know like
0: even though this is like grad school they're acting like children
1: They really are. It's very junior high. Margot asks how far to the knife maker because her shoes weren't cobbled for this quest. (laughs) Which, I mean, it's a good question for good reason. You got to use them feet. Yeah. So. And uh, you know what, though? Elliot's telekinetic. Could he just like float them or fly them there? (laughs) I mean.
0: there's. I don't think he has that kind of power at this point, even if he can.
1: I guess he doesn't know how to like really use it.
0: Yeah, and we never see him practicing his magical skills, so I don't know. No. We don't know where he is.
1: He didn't really commit to it. He just kind of got there by talent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Natural talent. But whatever.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's like an Alice in disguise.
1: No, he's not. He, you know, it's, yeah, he's not an Alice in disguise at all. He's he's kind of uh, messed up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the group notices a headstone off the path and they mention that they've seen a lot of them, like a lot of headstones, unmarked. And Quentin steps forward and reads the marker and it's Martin Chatwin, High King of Fillory. Hmm. He's disappointed because he had hoped that they could save Martin, but they took too long and they, you know, they failed him. He also notes that all the Chatwins are dead now. And like that in itself is sad.
0: Wait, it's
1: kind of like this death of childhood thing.
0: I mean, it is. But also, I feel like Quentin doesn't need to feel like that because he Martin became king and everybody dies. How did you fail him? Like. That's not the worst outcome. He died. king of fell. Because he was trying to (laughs)
1: like. I know. I know. But you know, like I was saying, like it's the death of childhood. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's like kind of the theme of the season, basically. Like, and you get to the end, and you know, yeah, or the child is not a child anymore.
0: Like for Quentin, seeing these like childhood idols die,
1: one hundred percent. After a quick commercial break, they make it back to the knife makers for Chapter Five. Be careful what you bargain for. Quentin and Julia enter to find the little boy from 70 years ago is now the knife maker. I'm like 70 years. Like, so, but time passes differently in Fillory. So it's probably been like 30 years, maybe.
0: Right. I would assume mm-hmm.
1: something like that. So but 70 years on earth, but maybe 30 years in Fillory kind of thing. And so he has a, uh, a daughter now and, He says that his father grew aggravated on them, waiting for them to return because (laughs) he made that knife. And he retrieves the Leo blade, but when Quentin goes to touch it, he slams the box shut, saying, Payment is due as promised. And we jump to a group meeting as Julia and Quentin explain that they are the only living humans from Earth in Fillory, and therefore they need to take up the mantle of kings and queens. And that in order to make their payment for the blade, one of them has to marry the the knife maker's daughter. So she can be, you know, put in line to be royalty kind of thing. Right.
0: This feels like a lot of logic. And jumps. like, I like volunteer they, as tribute. They've been here for like a day and they're like, so we're the only it's people like here. Even though up. we just met remnants of the missing class and we don't we don't really know what's up. <laughs> OK, Quentin. Fine. Yeah.
1: well apparently they're the only humans from earth that are, that are known how
0: do they know right? I mean, how whatever. do they know? quentin just wants so to be king of hillary no one
1: gets to pick just who gets to like marry the knife maker's daughter he's going to come outside with another blade that apparently draws the blood of the true high king of hillary he immediately goes to quentin who's like i'm convinced i'm the king right but he cuts his hand and no blood and it's like wah, wah. sorry quentin
0: Oh, I'm losing you again.
1: As the knife maker goes around everyone Quentin narrates that no one knows why Ember and Umber made it that human or earth humans are the ones who rule F- fillory. So he gets to Elliot and wouldn't you know it wouldn't you know it it draws his blood and shocks everyone.
0: <gasps>
1: and, yes, I know. <laughs> I, I mean and, and Elliot's like, "Well, high king makes certain instinctual sense, but." I roll the knife maker bows and calls him your majesty and Penny's like this will make Elliot easier to live with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
1: I mean no lies there. Now we're in chapter 6. How to prepare for a, For, for oh, fuck, okay, I can't even say the damn word. How to prepare for a Felorian wedding.
0: Ooh. I need
1: to start doing my red leathers yellow, yellow leathers. I can't even do that right now. What the hell?
0: Ma. 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 ma,
1: ma. ma blah. 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 <laughs> We're, so we're in a random Fillorian town, and Margot stops Elliot to give him the truth about being married in Fillory. He cannot get an annulment, and he can never be with anyone ever again. Like, anyone else. He can never, like, have sex with anybody else. And he can never leave Fillory again.
0: I'm like, Oh, that's well, kind of the big shit, one. I'm out. Yeah, that's... <laughs> kind of the biggest deal ever
1: like i'm sorry beast but i'm just too selfish for this crap this is...
0: <laughs> i'm 24 i'm out yeah
1: I, I prefer like not grayscale things and you know technology like i'd like some cable tv or even like modern books you know just stuff like that i would
0: i mean we don't know what they have they could have we don't magical know. tech
1: uh, they have magic so maybe they have something i don't know but margo tells him he doesn't have to do this but Elliot pauses for a second, and he's like considering it, and he finally says, "You know what? I'm going to do it because my life isn't working out as is, and nothing has been able to fix it—not drugs, or sex, or food, or booze, and not even magic."
0: Again, you're like 24. Sad. You're in grad school. It is sad.
1: Shotgun wedding like, is the way on. to, ch- you know, change it all. Change it all that way.
0: Obviously, the answer. He says, "Maybe."
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? well he says it might be his higher purpose and she's like something bigger and he calls her wise
0: come on Margo
1: the destroyer no this is
0: not a good idea
1: Melia's not making great decisions (laughs) yeah and he's you know she's getting all sad and teary eyed and he says he's the only person that she can he can stand and um, she says you have to be my best man Like, why is
0: he doing this You have to stay here forever
1: i mean i couldn't handle it but i mean for vacation sure but i couldn't handle it yeah yeah no
0: this is insane
1: i know i would love a doorway though could just connect you whenever you wanted
0: to go oh yeah
1: so that night the ceremony begins and penny leaves because it's quote taking forever and at the altar elliot officially meets finn
0: so that's the name of the daughter, Finn.
1: But Finn. I didn't recognize her because the different actor plays her going after this. Oh my god!
0: So. I know. I totally forgot about that. Who is that? I was
1: like, is this Finn? <laughs> Wait, what? I, yeah, I didn't re- didn't look at her like her at all. But whatever. So he's like, "You want to marry me?" And that's that that ending of that, I guess. And it says, Bam. "Chapter Seven: Weddings are so boring. Penny would rather astrally project into a dungeon," Ooh.
0: which explains what Penny is
1: doing. But it doesn't explain why each chapter title is a full-on sentence. Do better, Q. Lazy writer. Oh,
0: I would hate to read. I would hate to read his book. Oh, my God. I know,
1: I don't. I'm glad we're just seeing it (laughs) instead of reading it. Yeah, no. Ugh. And you know, it's probably really horrible. It's horribly Awful. Awful. He projects into the dungeon and tries to clarify where he is. Meanwhile, the wedding has happened. Short, sweet, to the point. The way I like him. And the knife maker brings them the Leo blade. And Quentin tries to grab it, but it burns his hand. So Elliot thinks, oh, I'm the high king. Maybe I can't. Nope. Burns his hand, too. The knife maker tells him that the blade can only be handled by a master magician. I'm like, the fuck?
0: What? Why, Why did no didn't anyone anything? talk about this? But also Very they did Very relevant. Ask. You've never said
1: this before. Like, come on, it's... man. You can't just leave that <laughs> shit out, dickhead. Come on.
0: They left for like 70 years.
1: <sighs> man, that's just rude. <laughs>
0: It's very, very relevant exactly what it, it right. takes. It's not
1: like, yeah, I can help you, but there's a caveat. Stop. You know, it's always, there's always another angle to be explored. And you're like, oh, yeah. they never, it's never straight up what it says Ask it is. more it's questions. Always, there's always another angle. It's great.
0: They need to ask more questions. They're,
1: so, yeah. yeah. So, none of them are master magicians, obviously. <laughs> not even Penny. And he comes back. He's all giddy. He's like, oh, is that it? And he picks it up. He's like, I hate this place. <laughs> <laughs> it burns his hand. And then we go to chapter eight. Like I said, be careful what you bargain for.
0: Duh. That's what we've been saying. Uh, after commercial
1: break, Josh says that there has to be a trick to handling the blade. But Julia says, we can't trick it into thinking we're powerful. The trick is we have to be that powerful. And Margot like steps in and says like, I get that the crowd you usually hang with nods when and like you're smart when you say incredibly obvious shit, but we need ideas. Like, <laughs> She's not she, wrong.
0: She really doesn't like Julia.
1: But she's kind of not wrong too. Like everybody's looking at her and her new culty crowd. They're like, "Ooh, yeah," you know, like she's the one. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, no love lost between those two. Apparently,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe Margo's being like territorial because of Quentin.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: That seems like that's a possibility. Also,
0: yeah, Margot and Quentin bonded a little bit over Fillory, but Julia and Quentin are Fillory friends. So maybe there's some Uh, of that too.
1: Fillory friends. (laughs) That sounds like a a spinoff cartoon for like Saturday morning for kids. Oh my
0: God. What if it was and it's all the like animal people of Fillory?
1: It's like Rainbow Bright, but like for magicians and like the one, like the guy in the cave is the beast with like the moth face, (laughs) you know? He's mm-hmm. always trying or like Care Bears, you know, something like that. They're always trying to defeat him. that would be kind of mm-hmm.
0: neat.
1: I'm like thinking things up. We're going to get this to happen <laughs> one day. Anyway, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Quinta says there could they, they could get the power of a god, maybe Ember or Umber. But Josh points out that they had been missing in action for years. But Penny thinks maybe they could get someone who has been around the beast like Victoria in the dungeon. Like if she can withstand it, you know i guess that's the logic i don't know
0: mm-hmm.
1: is being around him enough i don't know um i don't know it doesn't seem like it would be but would, what do i know Margot turns to elliot who is at a table with his new bride finn and the knife maker he says apparently he is now supposed to impregnate his virgin farm girl bride <laughs> at this very moment he says I best mean- of luck you're all welcome
0: what you do know, you think the point of marriage in an agricultural society is?
1: Like it's to <laughs> yeah, keep people going. Right. He then turns and escorts Finn out, calling her Mrs. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know how how that would work out. Do Earth humans and Falorian humans have the same DNA to m- m- match up, I wonder. Like I
0: we have no idea if there's we don't know if these are humans. These I could know. be Filorean mammals that resemble people.
1: Yeah. What's well, kind of like kryptonians and earthlings Somehow, yes
0: exactly they like, could be how different
1: does Superman have a kid with an earthling I don't know how that works I
0: don't know it's a mutant
1: yeah it's that's a hybrid basically <laughs> yeah. yeah so Penny says if he dies while Elliot is quote balling himself limp, I will haunt the shit out of his ass oh, <laughs>
0: okay I've
1: been there you know you know how it is You've, we know mm-hmm <laughs> Anyway, somewhere outside, the rest of the group hides outside of that, the castle that isn't there, which is obviously invisible. The funny backstory is that it's invisible because the royals that built it all spent all their money. So they chose cheap materials to make the castle and make it invisible so no one could see the cheapness, I guess. (laughs)
0: Smart. It's,
1: I would love to make it visible and it's just like this hodgepodge of like materials just like things up falling
0: flick. off. Yeah.
1: yeah, Holes everywhere because they couldn't yeah. see the materials when they built it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you cut to Josh yelling out to the two guards like I need help with my sister. Help my sister. It's Margot on the ground mm-hmm. because she has fainted. Meanwhile, Alice and Penny find the door to the castle and they go inside. They go immediately to the dungeon. I mean, this happens really quick. They Mm -hmm. find the dungeon like that, you know, and they try to help Victoria escape. And she points out that there's someone else in the next cell. I'm like, oh, is this a trap? Oh. Mm. Oh."
0: Or is it another Jane? It's Jane. Uh, Yay! We would
1: hope, (laughs) right? Inside Ember's temple, or excuse me, they're at Ember's temple. Quentin and Julia walk with torches, calling out for Ember. This is where he cuts his hand on the stick mm-hmm. and presses into the stone and they go inside, right? And this is called Chapter 9, The Gift of Ember. So we're basically back where we started eventually. And he's like, All right, have you brought me little cakes? And they tell him they didn't bring him cakes because they didn't know they were supposed to bring him cakes. <laughs> I didn't you're, know. Okay, You're
0: approaching a god. What do you think you do, Quentin?
1: There's always supposed to be an offering. Of also, Julia
0: knows better. She just did this.
1: I know. Like, you know we need something. He's, in, he's like, I'm, in, I'm disappointed you didn't bring me cakes because I'm tired of eating mice. Like, aw, poor guy. <laughs> he says, no matter, and you are. When Quentin introduces them, he says, oh, you're usually dead by now. He kills you, and I'm left to hide in cake-deficient Loria. <laughs> Which, I mean, we haven't learned this. It's a neighboring country to Fill- Fillory. So, Ember goes on to explain that who they call the beast trapped them and apparently killed umber excuse me trapped Mm. him and killed umber yeah so julia asks the right questions how could a magician put the drop on you at least she says it respectfully she's like with all due respect i mean you're a Mm -hmm. god like how did that happen and ember's like well i mean fillory's magic belongs to no one not even the gods so a magician with enough determination can basically harness it to Quote, make haggis out of any of us. Ember just waits and waits to be slain and has grown bored. He says he's had sex with every nymph in the kingdom.
0: <laughs> god.
1: Ew. I wouldn't want it. No. Nobody with hooves. No. <laughs> uh-uh. uh. So Quintus says they are here to help. He then changes his tune and asks what the fuck Ember is doing being a whiny bitch and letting the beast trample Fillory. Truth. Like, why mm-hmm. did you just let this happen? And Julia's like, maybe don't insult a god. It's like, you know, good thing to note. You know, don't don't do that. They're pretty powerful. But Quentin is done with that noise and asks if Ember even cares. Do you even care? Come on. And Sullen Ember says that Quentin is right. I can't outwit the beast. I cannot defeat the beast directly. So Quentin's like, I'll do it. I'll step forward. I'm gonna do this. He has a deep love for Fillory, you know, and he feels that he is supposed to be there and fight for it. He'll do whatever it takes. And Ember just kind of looks at him and he says, you know what, Quentin, your love for Fillory has never stopped. Unlike Julia. Like, well, (laughs) damn. (laughs) Call her ass out. (laughs) She's trying to make excuses. Well, I mean, I mean, I you know, stopped in college. He was like, yeah, you stopped.
0: Oh, my God. Gods are the worst.
1: I know. Like, damn, Judgy. He says, the only best and the purest can face the beast. And that, he says to Quentin.
0: This is like Dr- Quentin's wet dream.
1: He is just like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm Harry Potter. Oh my God. Like, yes. <laughs> Quentin mentions how he can't touch the Leo blade. And Ember says that I'll give you the gift of my essence. And a bottle appears in Quentin's hand. And Ember says, I have gifted you my bestowal. No. My, lar- my largesse or my largesse? Uh-huh.
0: My largesse.
1: The seed of my power. When you are able to face the beast, imbibe it. No. And Julia points out that's Ember's semen. I'm
0: like... <laughs> 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 it's so <laughs> gross.
1: No. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're a swallower and not a spitter. This Th- is... <laughs> that amount of cum is too much.
0: So- <laughs> It, it looks like a damn but bottle of milk. It's my favorite because you know, like in Lord of the Rings, um like Galadriel gives like her her hair or something. Mm-hmm. So it totally like makes sense.
1: <laughs> ugh. It just makes you want to puke thinking about it though. Like, oh
0: <laughs>
1: Quentin's like, thank you. <laughs> He's like, you're welcome, thank you. And Ember turns to Julian's like, and you, daughter of Earth. But he notices something. He, oh, your your mind is encumbered. He said, I'll remove it. I'll remove this crudely made shroud no! on your memories. And Quentin's like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. However, before Quentin can stop him, he taps Julia, who falls to the ground and flashes start coming at her. A no! heart in her hands. Yes, she sees a heart in her hands. She sees Richard with blood on his mouth and Katie cowering. I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. Here no! we go.
0: No, no, this is why we've been scared of Richard all season.
1: Yes, guys, this is why. This is it. This is the reason. <laughs> Ugh. Amber's like, no need to thank me. Best of luck. And, you know, it blacks out to commercial break. And then, oh, uh, so we go, we're on the road. It's chapter 10, helpless. And Quentin helps Julia walk down the path. She's freaking out. And he's like, please, you know, she's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me and you're like you understand why obviously when mm-hmm. when you watch it and you see everything that's about to happen she's like sobbing and he's like like what happened and all he should say is that please just take my memory please take it please and he's like i don't know how i don't know yeah, how
0: i'm sorry they haven't learned that
1: and i mean i mean this whole thing is playing out completely differently from, than what i remember i did not remember mm-hmm. all this this way she changes the subject and says well we have to go and he realizes she may never tell him what happened right so they get to a campsite and Victoria wakes up in bed with Penny and Josh watching on. She's been rescued. Yay. She's Yay! not in the dungeon anymore. And she thanks them for helping her. And Penny says, anything to get your voice out of my head. Might like, True that, right? Man. He then asks how she traveled with other people when he can barely do it with just him alone. And she's like these. And she shows him her knuckles with tattoos on them. And it's a spell to help her travel. I'm like, well, that oh. that would have been convenient to know.
0: What? Go to your professors. Go to your professors, people. I can't say this enough.
1: Well, I mean, Just even ask. that guy that was supposed to be his mentor that killed himself, you know, like he should have known that he told him this, the, the tattoo to like make him stop traveling. But what about the other one that would help him control traveling like that? You didn't know about that? Like, I on. mean,
0: I bet he did know about it, but he also knows Victoria fucking disappeared.
1: Yeah, maybe that's so. Like, why that.
0: would he give it to someone else?
1: Mm, that's true. That's true. They all know the beast is out there, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, but still, man, it makes me mad.
0: Would you really give a young kid like this the secret to taking more people around, or would you be like, hey, protect yourself?
1: Uh, I mean. I guess it just depends on how my gotta, experience with it went.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like, think of yourself as an adult, having watched other people die yeah. doing it.
1: Yeah, I guess that could be true. I don't know. Anyway. So Quentin shows the rest. Umber's, Ember's essence. And Margot says they got a twofer when they rescued Victoria and they take him over to see if the, uh, to see the other prisoner that was in the other cell. And they roll him over, and it's, (gasps) Christopher Plover. (gasps) What? It feels like a trap. feels like a trap, right? Oh, my God. (coughs) Quentin realizes they were wrong. Plover is not the beast. And Plover adds, no, Martin Chatwin is. Bum, bum, bum. Mind-blowing. I mean,
0: didn't we already figure this out though? Kind of like we were all we yeah. were all doing the math along the way. You're like, right? wait a minute.
1: So he's not. <laughs> yeah, you start going back and you go, wait a minute. So the kid who couldn't get back to filler, who really wants it. who's being like psychologically tortured, basically. Yeah. It's- also,
0: the kid who wasn't allowed to come back to Fillery, and Quentin could only see it as like, of course, you feel rejected. Not that Fillery was protecting itself.
1: Right. And you're like, yeah, that's what was going on. That Fillory knew, oh, mm-hmm. this one's damaged. We don't need this one anymore.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to get him the hell out of here. Yeah. They're all in disbelief. As Plover says that there was something black inside, Martin, he failed to see. I'm like, yeah, probably because you're more interested in sexually assaulting a child. Yeah, freaking monster. you probably
0: put it there.
1: I know. Jerk. You're the one like- who created the blackness. Inside right, them, right. Come on. uh so, Alice points out the marks on Plover's face, and Plover's like, it's an age suspension magic so that every day Martin can start over with me. Presumably, torture, I guess. What? Which I mean, the torture for him, A OK in my book. Like, go ahead.
0: I Yeah, it's just here's the thing. If you are eternally torturing someone, you're still angry. You oh, yeah. haven't healed. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. He even looks at, like, Quentin looks at me and goes, yeah, poor you, right? For
0: real. Good for
1: you, Quentin. Good. Quentin tells Plover to tell them everything about Martin or he will feed Plover to the beast. And this is what Plover says. He says, when I, when he was a child, Fillory stopped taking him. Once he found his way back, he made it his mission to stay. And this is where we see flashbacks of young Martin with a compass looking for in a tree stump for burned papers with ancient writing on them or something. And he continues. He'd heard about the Wellspring, the most ancient location in Fillory, the source of all magic. It, it not only stronger than Ember and Umber, it created them. Fillory mm-hmm. runs on it. And Martin goes every night to drink from it, draining it a little more each time. The Wellspring's magic is so strong, it killed every human thing within him. There's only the beast now. Ah, and that's where we see young oh. Martin find a shed in the woods, a random shed. That's where he goes for the Wellspring.
0: Right. And obviously he wasn't trying to become an evil beast. He was trying to use magic to stay in this place where he was safe.
1: Right. And it transformed him. Plus with all that resentment mm-hmm. and you know, Right. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make you into a bad guy, probably. Mm-hmm. Alice says the Wellspring is not on any map and Quentin says they could start asking around, but Plover's like, I can You know, you can ask me because Martin never could hide his mind from me.
0: Ew. I'm
1: like, oh, come on. Ew. You know, Quentin's like, can we just test the knife on him, please? Can we just. Right. (laughs) I mean, no. Yeah, totally. Go for it. Try it out. See if it works. So we see after commercial break, Josh and Victoria left a note. They hightailed it out of there. And Quentin's like, on one hand, fuck them. On the other hand, you really can't blame them. (laughs) They're not really helping in this situation anyway. So it's not their fight. Back to Quentin, writing the seventh Fillory book. He says he's writing it because he doesn't know much, but he knows he's the hero of the story. I'm like, do you, Q? Do you really? (laughs) Or you just want to be the hero so badly, you're like putting these blinders on that you keep screwing up everything. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm he says he's you know all the reading and loneliness and everything led up to this and when it actually happened he started to realize the truth which is is it that you're your own worst enemy quentin is that, <laughs> yeah. what it is inside alice sits alone in the dark as quentin joins her and she says it's so insignificant us being together and falling apart it just doesn't matter Like most things don't matter actually they really don't
0: right here's yeah here's the problem i had a teacher in high school who would say in the light of eternity it doesn't matter and i was like in the light of eternity none of this shit matters like how you can't go to nihilism
1: no you can't and you know the only things that matter are like really significant changes in like culture and human history and whatnot those are the things that matter you know
0: Right, so you have to pick what matters to you, and I would say, Alice and Quentin, this matters a good deal to you both. Exactly. Precisely.
1: Let's just, you know, let our egos make them worse, apparently. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so Quentin says he made a mistake and that even if he she doesn't want to hear it, he loves her. And she says he's right. She doesn't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Good for her. However, she says that she's not going further with her angry her anger at him because you know they got a mission and they all have his back basically I'm
0: like, and we're seeing how destructive anger is exactly
1: like you have noticed by now that hasn't helped at all right Mm-hmm. he laments ever since he started reading the fillery books he's been waiting for a powerful being to dub him as the chosen one essentially
0: wow just come right out and say it Q. I mean, my god <laughs>
1: He laughs at this because for every one guy that is chosen in all the stories in the movies and whatnot, there are always billions of others who aren't chosen.
0: Mm-hmm. Because almost
1: none of us are the one. And, like, ooh, that's actually kind of significant to say. Like, almost that's none of us true. are the one, you know?
0: Maybe there's no one. I I heard a really good quote that was like, Narcissism is our embarrass is like the shame and embarrassment of feeling average. Mm hmm cuz most people are average.
1: <laughs> we are. There's nothing I mean, not saying we're not <laughs> special in our own way, but we're not like right. significantly life world changing, you know. Mhm. And you know, everybody feels that way sometimes. I think it's a mix of loving fiction and feeling distance from others because mm-hmm. of who we are. Um there's a ton of people who have to feel the same way. And it, yeah, it's... Yeah, Quentin
0: fun. is just particularly obsessed and with his mental health problems it's created this like core obsession for him
1: Mm -hmm. it's kind of bittersweet beautiful in a way yeah like we can you know we can all kind of feel that way in unison but no one really like no really connection because we feel so isolated at the same time if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense
0: it does we all want to
1: feel like the one but since we all want to feel like the special one we can't really connect it's really yeah Anyway, so Alice tries to comfort him and saying, you know, Ember chose you, but he says Ember is out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Ember is drunk a lot. <laughs> he's like, you know,
1: if Ember met you, Alice, he probably would have picked you overall because you're a better magician and a better person.
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: So she says that, you know, he's always the one that shows up and tries to save the day in every time loop. But Quentin just can't believe it. No matter how much logic he puts behind it, he says, "Ever." Every time Jane changed the time loop, he changed. she changed something else. So he thinks, well, what if I change something this time? Like, wait, mm. how do you know you're changing it? You weren't part of those other times. Right. Like,
0: you don't know that you haven't made the exact same move 40 times.
1: Exactly. I don't know. He tells Alice.
0: Don't try to outsmart yourself, Quentin. Like, <laughs>
1: That's not going to work, buddy. You're not. No. <laughs> no. But he's like, OK, here, Alice, take the Leo blade. And she says, "You're not as good as I hoped, Quentin Coldwater. But you're better than you know." Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you're just, like, you're it's, pretty stupid. It still
0: sounds like a diss. I know. Like, is that <laughs> right? a compliment? Maybe
1: underhanded. I don't.
0: I don't. I think it's a backhanded compliment, or I don't know.
1: Um, okay, Alice. So later on, she sits in front of Ember's essence, nervous. And Margo says, "Pretend it's prom night, and you just want him to shut up." I'm like, then knock his ass out. You don't got to swallow his load, girls. Yeah, <laughs> no means no. Seriously,
0: this is, Margot gets a lot better.
1: <laughs> she doesn't say stuff like this, like the you kind of patriarchal, you know.
0: Yeah, she crap. like gets rid of that stuff. Yeah,
1: she becomes better. She finally opens the bottle and drinks it in one fell swoop. And I'm like, I need to chase her. Oh, I would need a, a oh, chaser at least, oh. right?
0: I would be vomiting. I couldn't even watch it.
1: I mean, maybe it doesn't taste like anything. Hopefully. That's what I'm hoping.
0: Texturally, though.
1: So, but her eyes, they start to glow green, like bright and appears to have worked as she walks over to the blade and just picks it up with no problem. And Julia walks in to get Quentin to talk in private. So she pulls him to another room and tells him that they followed all the clues to find Our Lady Underground and that, you know, they believe that the goddess had chosen her and blah, blah, blah. And we start seeing the flashback. So the cult of hedge witches does their little chant with the invocation for the goddess, and in all whites and cream colored and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. Julia hears a dripping sound as they're chanting, and she she gets everybody to stop chanting. And she notices the effigy's eyes are bleeding, drops of blood just drip, drip, dripping. And what appears to be Our Lady Underground appears behind her, and says, "Julia, you dumb little witch, you can't unring a bell." Mm. And proceeds to laugh as she makes her way over to Richard, removing his heart through his back and biting into it. Everyone screams and cowers, and Our Lady Underground takes on the appearance of Richard with yellow eyes. He says he's taken away all of their magic, so they can't do anything. He thanks them for, quote, opening the door and says that they can call him Reynard the Fox, trickster of the faithful, the pure of heart. And looks to Julia and calls her the very stupid. And he walks over to the three to three of the witches. They're like holding their hands, like trying to protect each other. And he just like moves his hand and like slits all their throats in one gesture.
0: Damn.
1: He calls over the Katie, Katie, and she's hiding under a table next to him. he's like, um, he bends down and looks at her. That was my hermit that healed your heart, and now I'm going to taste it.
0: Oh God! Oh my
1: God! So Julia walks in between them and says, "Don't you fucking touch her." And he says, when you address me, avert your gaze. And so she just looks right at him and through like fear, she stumbles. But she says, I said, Mm -hmm. don't you fucking touch her. Like, you know, trying to get it out.
0: I love Julia. Yeah.
1: And he says, fine, I'll take you first. And he drags her to the ground, kicking and screaming. And she yells for Katie to go. And she's like, go, Katie, Mm -hmm. go. As he pins her down and saying he chose her from the first moment that she prayed. And then he flips her over and proceeds to rape her as she looks over and sees that Katie is gone. And it's a freaking horrible scene. It's horrible. It's
0: awful. It's awful. It just, it's okay if you need to fast forward through it. And it just it.
1: keeps going. And she's crying. And he keeps going. I'm like, why, oh my God, why is this lasting so long? This
0: is why – I know. This is why you and I were so traumatized from before. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-mm, I don't like this at all. I hate these types of scenes. No. I was, it was easier for me no. to handle this time around because I knew it was coming.
0: Right. At least we knew it was coming because it is violent.
1: You don't know. You're like, shit. <laughs> no, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Because there's blood all over the floor and it's its traumatic. Oh, it's so awful. So yeah. So Quentin is astonished by hearing this story. You can see all this panic and guilt and sorrow and everything on his face as he's like looking at Julia like he has this heavy heart. Right. And in the flashback, Reynard has left, and Julia's on the phone trying to call someone, and she's also cleaning at the same time. And she's asking for help on the phone because, you know, something happened. And we kept to nighttime, and she's still trying to clean up the blood. And that's when, who of all people comes in? Marina.
0: Oh, my love. I know.
1: This is why we liked Marina. I didn't like her at first. I will tell you that. I did not. But
0: I've always liked her. But, but I mean, like as, as far a as like –
1: this whole like sisterhood thing she's got going on in this, in this yeah. scene, especially, you know, she says mm-hmm. that you called the right person. I'm going to help you clean up this mess. And mm-hmm. I just love it. And Julia's like, can I get another favor? And can you take my memory of this away? I just can't deal with this. Oh, and so Quentin's like, Oh, it's not your fault that you were tricked, you know, and you even saved Katie in the process.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: Julia feels all guilty. And, you know, about everyone else dying, which I get it, you know, and it's yeah. in your apartment.
0: Oh my God, you have to move. Like, you
1: cannot stay in that apartment. Like, that, I wouldn't be able to look at anything in that place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, no thank you. So, yeah, um, Quintus says they, they'll help, you know, will help you, and Julie says, it, you know, it means find him and kill him, and somehow I doubt this is easy. Right, Renard, trying to find him and mm-hmm. kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you mean, neither was getting to Fillery. That wasn't easy, but look what you've gone through in the past, like, day. (laughs) You can do a lot of things. Yeah, I
0: mean, you might be about to say this, but I love the parallel here between Quentin and Julia's stories where, like, early in the season, Quentin stumbled into something he thought was harmless and brought the Beast, and we had gotten to a point where now Julia is honestly on a pedestal above quentin in her quest but now we see that she has fallen into the same kind of trap in her Mm -hmm. like in her in her excitement
1: she has her own beast now basically
0: right yeah
1: yeah and i love how quentin says impossible shit is sort of our thing
0: like positive Uh,
1: attitude good for you all right good
0: yeah just be better friends about it now hopefully
1: hopefully going forward it will be that way So the next morning, with the help of Penny's new knuckle tats, he teleports the entire group to the other side of Fillory to the well-spread wellspring shed that Martin went into, which Penny calls a truck stop (laughs) shithouse.
0: Yeah, it it looks like an outhouse. It really does.
1: It does, for sure. (laughs) So they all head that way with Julia lagging behind because, I mean, of course, she has to look like she has a plan of her own. Like, she has that on her face and her look, you know what I mean? Like.
0: Well, I mean, she's the Elliot of this episode. Oh, totally.
1: Totally. <laughs> they open the door and they enter and there's this, like, magic light shining into it. And they enter and it's, like, not that big of a place, but it's, like, the TARDIS mm-hmm. technology. It's way bigger than the inside. Yeah. We go through a commercial break and we've got, like, four minutes left of this episode. And I'm, like, I'm not sure I remember everything that's happening. Like, this is not anything. I was, like. I
0: feel like so much still has to happen. I know. I was, and- like, that, I thought this stuff
1: happened in this episode does it all
0: happen really fast in the next four minutes
1: exactly i was like what the hell (laughs) so inside the wellspring shed they walk into what appears to be a replica of christopher plover's writing room that they saw before a few episodes back and elliot points out something good all that power and he can't stop thinking about where it happened like
0: yeah he's stuck he's traumatized
1: i'm like yeah because power doesn't really erase your trauma
0: (laughs) right (laughs) It can make
1: it worse actually and Margo's like, you know, Fillory needs meds way more than magic. Truth. Yes. Truth. As they start to look for the actual wellspring, Quentin notices some moths showing up. Mm-mm.
0: No. And that little, that no. womp,
1: womp, womp beat that yeah. always comes with him, it starts to come into play. I'm like, oh, great. And that's where the beast enters the room and says, oh, Quentin, no. is it that? Is it time for this already? Oh. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is it that Fog and the Beast are both aware of this time loop? Like,
0: it's like everybody except our core Scoobies are aware of the time loop and have been like watching them go through and it. And wouldn't
1: one of them know when something is going to happen. Like, just to get more of an idea by now of how things are going to play out. Oh,
0: none of them have any intuition at all. I don't
1: get it. Like, Not any of the. I'm talking about <laughs> even the Beast or or Fog or like they don't know because apparently. A lot of the same stuff has happened over and over, but I mean.
0: Yeah, I, I think it makes sense that when you're on your 40th go, and this isn't even their whole life. You know, they've got other shit they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Fog has a whole school. That's why he was like, you four, if you want to take care of this shit, be my fucking guest. I
1: had better things to do. I got other <laughs> stuff. I, I mean, it can't be just this. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So anyway, Quentin says, hello, Martin. We know it's you. And the beast just says, hmm. And the moths leave his face and we see a distinguished gentleman with glowing blue eyes staring back at them. And the door slams shut and locks behind him. I'm like, this isn't menacing at all. Nope. (laughs) He says, they made it a good long way this time around. And then he says, this is it. And Quentin tries to appeal to his humanity. He's like, look around you. You're still hurting. And Martin's just like, you mediocre are always so sentimental. Like, oh, yeah. All that humanity is gone. And this guy, Quentin, like, just kill him and be done with it. Just get done with this.
0: I mean, he killed Jane. His own sister. You can't get to him. Right.
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen. He then laughs as Quentin says. And then he goes, he laughs at Quentin and says, most wouldn't walk to their certain death 40 times in a row. You're no quitter.
0: That's That's true.
1: (laughs) Is that a compliment? I guess it is.
0: No, maybe you should quit. Maybe it's not a good thing.
1: Maybe it's not. Quentin stops him saying that Jane gave him a gift to give to Martin. Something he would know what to do with. He reaches into his pocket and brings out his playing cards. And Martin says, this is a stalling tactic. As Alice walks up behind Martin slowly. And Martin says, next time, put something useful in your pocket. Oh, that's right no next time and he starts to choke quentin alice reaches for the leo blade for her belt but it's gone (gasps) i know shit he turns to see alice coming at him and says you're stronger than you ever were you know and ever learn to cast while you're bleeding out and proceeds to do so she's coughing up blood and like you know Ugh. And then he just knocks out it, it, Elliot and Margot against the bookcase, and then he raises Penny's arms above his head and slices his hands off.
0: Oh, and God. it's bloody as hell. This like is, it's there's yeah. it's
1: just spurting out everywhere. This is awful. It's gruesome. It's really yeah. gruesome. And Penny's all yelling and yelping on the moaning on the floor, and Martin turns back to him. And he goes, "Quentin Coldwater," and that's when Julia pops up from behind him with the Leo blade at his neck, saying, "Wait," and like just oh, do it man. and go flash back to Julia's apartment and Julia makes the phone call to Marina for help and after she's done she realizes something is wrong in her stomach after the rape and she reaches between her legs and we find semen there and realizing that there's something is about to happen and all of a sudden her eyes glow bright green like Alice's oh, did yeah. because of the semen the essence mm-hmm. meaning that she's got that essence of a god in her which explains why Mm -hmm. she's able to hold the leo blade now to martin's throat so martin notices that julia has you know oh you've got a power upgrade and she says i you know you killed umber and trapped ember and she needs his help to fuck up another god and quentin yells at her to stop but she says i want to make a deal
0: yeah don't no no magic deals no magic Ah, deals
1: martin says have we learned nothing he just says let's before they both disappear I'm like, how did they teleport out of there if they're not travelers?
0: Okay, that too. What the
1: hell? What's that about? Maybe the essence of the God thing. I don't know. So Quentin looks around and sees all of his friends dying and hands cut off. They're they're all defeated. And we black out. End of season. And we get a a banner for the National Sexual Assault Hotline. 800-656-HOPE. Or go to rain.org. And RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. It's free and confidential 24 7. End of season one.
0: Good God.
1: Like, I seriously forgot. Like, that was a cliffhanger ending. I forgot all about that.
0: I. I remembered that the last fight doesn't go well for them, but I didn't remember like how bad it was.
1: Yeah, and there's other stuff. I was like, I'm mixing up stuff from a later fight to now, and I'm like, oh, mm. wait a minute. Isn't that supposed to happen? Okay. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I wasn't sure if in this episode we would get the flashbacks or we'd have to wait until next season to know like what really happened. Yes, Um, in julia's apartment speaking
1: of which i want to tell everybody we are planning on coming back for doing season two of the magicians possibly later this year and we've got some more shows that are coming out you know like i said couplings coming and some other stuff Mm -hmm. some other blocks of programming but i really want to get back to fillery asap and finish this soon i want to you know
0: yeah, how can we leave you all like this? I mean, how can we all just be hanging off? And this you know
1: cliff? what though? Go ahead. If you if you got into this show because we're you wanted to follow along with the podcast, yeah, you gotta keep, keep watching. watching. You can I get you it. You can rewatch or just hear <laughs> our re-watch recap when it comes out. So, you know, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it that much.
0: Yeah. In my opinion, the show just gets better over time. It
1: does. It really does. It just evolves in a good way.
0: It gets weirder. It gets the characters get stronger. Everybody the storylines are better i really
1: liked it a lot what did you think rewatchers did you like season one of the magicians let us know give us some comments some you know reach out to us social media orlean is at spooky orlean on instagram and twitter it's in the show notes the rewatch recap was brought to you by me dustin holden you can find the show on instagram at the rewatch recap or you can find me on tiktok at dustin underscore holden Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at Dustin Pod at gmail.com. Anyway, what a ride.
0: Oh, and what? If, if our listeners have been tracking anything like I've been tracking Alice's hair, let us know. Or if there's something you want to start tracking now that you've seen it and you're like, oh, this thing, I, I saw it everywhere. Yeah,
1: let's see. Or, or how they don't introduce people's names right away. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. are there any
1: other things you notice, little quirky things that we can point out? That'd be great. We can, we can follow that for next yeah. season.
0: Also, Dustin, on a very personal note, do you realize the themes of this season one are almost identical to the themes of Vampire Diaries season oh, really? one? really? I think we're drawn to certain themes around memory trauma what it means to like love and trust someone Hmm. i i think there's a lot there oh there
1: is there totally is yeah i can see that i can see that we'll have to dive into that a little further going forward yeah that might be fun okay well thank you for joining me orlean i had fun with this one yes and this was rewatchers great. don't forget coupling series one it's only six episodes starts next week so look out for that and join us for our rewatch bye everybody
0: bye